All right, awesome. Today we have here on 360 Wise Live, uh, we have um, none other than the uh, president and the uh, CEO of the National Urban League, um, uh, Honorable Brother Mark Morell. Also, not to mention, he was the mayor of Louisiana. You're in uh, currently, what was that? That, was, that wasn't Baton Rouge, that's... New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Orleans for eight years from 1994 to 2002. Wow, eight years. Um, let me ask you, so from, from handling the, the office of being the mayor in New Orleans, um, you're definitely serving the community. Uh, you had to have a desire for change, uh, which got you to that point. After you left from being the mayor, is this when you made the transition into the National Urban League? Yeah, I came to the National Urban League. There was about a year hiatus. Uh, I was mayor from 94 to 02. Uh, from uh, 02 to 03, I began practicing law. I'm a lawyer. Uh, and then I was recruited by a headhunter, actually, to become president of the National Urban League. And it's been, one of, it's been a wonderful, powerful uh, experience to have served this organization now for almost 17 years. Uh, and through those 17 years, I've seen crisis after crisis. We had the crisis of Katrina. Yes. We had the crisis of the recession and the foreclosure crisis. You yes. know, we had the challenges with uh, the untimely death of Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Tamir Rice. Yes. Uh, Name that, that incredible string that, uh, of, of African-American men whose lives were being just taken by police officers. And now we have this. Now we have this challenge, which is global in its dimension. Global in its dimension has affected everyone. But once again, disproportionality. Mm. Disproportionality. Right. Black and brown people are disproportionately impacted. That's a fact. Uh, and we can't hide that fact. And we shouldn't let anyone hide that fact. Let me ask you. Um, I'm hearing word on the news that Louisiana is possibly at one of the, what they're considering a hotbed or a hotspot uh, for one of the biggest flare-ups, uh, similar to New York. Um, right. And, and, you know, at the same time, we're, deal we're dealing with, you know, uh, a disproportionate, you know, black pe people of color. We, it seems since the levees broke or whatever, the levees being blown, whatever the case is, it looks like there are a lot of issues that still haven't been dealt with um, that are coming back to bite right now. Poverty, uh, an inequitable health system, uh, longstanding disparities are, are part of the reality of life in Louisiana, life in New Orleans. Louisiana and Mississippi trade places for 49th or 50th in being the most impoverished state uh, in the union. And my state is a beautiful state uh, my hometown is a beautiful hometown, but too much poverty, too many health disparities, too many inequities. And once again, the light is shining brightly and the light is shining on these issues. In Louisiana, where about 31, 32% of the population is African-American, 70% of, of the deaths have been black. Uh, and it's unacceptable to me. Now, when you say 70% of the deaths um, are black, um, and are are you referring to just deaths? Period? Or are you referring to the coronavirus? Talking about 
the coronavirus deaths. Coronavirus okay. deaths due to, to due to COVID nineteen. So uh, the deaths among Black people, the 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 percentage of those infected is somewhat disproportionate, but the deaths have significantly been disproportionate. And we know the experts tell us, the people that study this tell us, my sister is a physician in New Orleans, that it is the pre-existing conditions, hypertension, uh, number one, obesity, number two, asthma, number three, asthma, runs in my family. My father lost his life due to an asthma attack. I know all about the debilitations of asthma and other respiratory diseases. And so if you have those underlying conditions and you got COVID-19, right. your body may not have been able in the same way to fight it off. Those are longstanding conditions that go uh, back to, you know, initially, uh, Louisiana wouldn't accept the expansion of Medicaid. Uh, the governor back in nineteen in two thousand and ten uh, was, was he, he refused it. He was anti Obama. Uh, the new governor <laughs> who took over five years ago. This is the governor you're speaking of, right? Yeah, but the new governor who's been there five years, first act when he was elected five years ago was to expand Medicaid, which means some four hundred thousand people now have coverage that didn't have before. But this is only in the last three years three to four years. So these long-standing deficiencies impact our community. But look, our community is strong, right. resilient. Yes. Uh, this is hard, man. I've got friends and uh, parents of friends who've lost their lives in this, man. And, you know, the, the pain and someone just called me about an hour ago and told me they've lost four of their friends over the weekend. And, you know, it, so it begins to not just be a television show, huh. statistic, or conversation. It's personal. It's here. Right. It's up. Right. Let, let me ask you, how does the, um, the 2020 census, how does that uh, come into play with, you know, communities of color? And this, and, and this very situation that we're dealing with right now, what is the importance of the 2020 census? So, Medicaid dollars are distributed by the federal government to states based on numbers derived from the Census Bureau. If we are counted and we're fully counted, then our communities are going to receive a greater share of not only seats in Congress, not only seats in the legislature, but dollars for school lunches and dollars for food stamps and dollars for job training. It impacts our community which is why we have to be counted in this census. How often, for the, for the viewers, how often does the actual census take place? Every 10 years, the census takes place, and it's been taking place since 1790. Uh, it's, uh, it's a long history of undercounting. Okay. Uh, the initial census, African-Americans were counted as three-fifths of a person for the purposes of apportionment, but had no rights and had no vote. We were fun fundamentally classified as property, but so that the Southern states would have more representation, we were classified three-fifths of a person for the purposes of determining the number of seats in the Congress. And we fast forward, 2010, we had a better census in 2010, uh, when Barack Obama was president. I had the pleasure of serving as chair of the 
National Advisory Council on the census. But even though it was a better census, there was an undercount of three to four million uh, black people and uh, maybe two to three million uh, Latinos and lots of children when I count. Well, now, how did that happen? How, wh where, uh, we're speaking about an undercut so that the viewers understand, is it because of the lack of a knock knock on the door or is it because of um, the, the history or? So one thing is those that fill out the form, 10 years ago it was a paper form. Okay. This year it's either online or paper. Have to make sure to count their babies, their children, their right. nieces, their nephews. If right. they live in a house with you, you put them on the form. Right. They gotta be on the form. And second reason, the door knocker didn't show up, or when the door knocker came, the door knocker didn't get the information correctly. Lots of reasons. We're trying to raise awareness in our community yes. about how to make sure we are not, we don't, by right. our own act, contribute right. to undercount. Right. We got to hold Census Bureau accountable. We got to make sure they do what they should do. Okay. But I'm also here to say we have to do what we have to do. And you're definitely correct with that. And you all are actually, um, you know, you, you have affiliate offices throughout the United States, the National mm -hmm. Earth League, um, that are actually um, prepared to get involved and, and make sure that there is um, a proper count to all that, you know, putting their hands on the, on the line. What, what, what our, our community leaders across the country in 90 communities are part of complete count committees. They've been going to churches, community centers, senior citizen centers, of course, before social distancing. Now we've got to do things virtually, encouraging people to understand the value of the census and making people aware that they've got to fill that form out. We're going to continue to do it all the way till the end. Right now, the census is going to continue through early August. We think the Census Bureau should extend that deadline even farther okay. because going to be difficult for the door knockers to do their job until physical distancing is over. But we're saying to folks, don't wait for the door knocker. Go online. Soon you'll receive a form in the mail. Fill out the paper form or go online. Make sure you're counted. Take responsibility. Take leadership. Take control. How can we let the masses understand not to allow this COVID-19, um, which is happening, and it's a real situation, but how not to, as that's, that's bombarded the in total, you know, CNN, MSNBC, everything. everything. We're not hearing anything about the 2020 census. Like, how could this uh, negatively impact our count? I'm so glad for the opportunity to speak to you because you have uh, a large number of followers Many people are going to see this interview and see it, see this conversation between us. We can't wait and rely on CNN, MSNBC, or any of the news channels. We've got to use social media. We've got to use the black press. We've got to use the radio, right. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. We have to use it. We have to take charge. We have to take leadership. So right. we're asking our pastors every yeah. Sunday from now all the way until the end of the census to remind their parishioners, remind their members to participate in the census. We're doing interviews all across. And look, we also have the Make Black Count website. 
Let me say that again, makeblackcount.org. You can go there and there's information on the census, including a sample form, so that you can take a look at what you're gonna fill out before you actually fill it out. So we've put uh, a lot of energy in this. The National Urban League leads a coalition of some 55 to 60 organizations who've organized ourselves as the Black Census Roundtable, faith groups, civil rights groups, uh, community-based groups, uh, right. fraternities and sororities and masons and you name it. Right. We are together. We're going to do our part. We're going to do our job. We're going to run to the tape. We're going to encourage people to make sure that they participate in the census. And we're definitely going to join that. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. it, it it's a mandatory. It's a and mandatory. it's about money and power. Oh. When people ask me, I say, look, this is about money and power. They're using this to chop up the money. They're right. using this to chop up the seats right. in Congress. Right. I mean, hey, let's make sure we're in the game. Right. And don't let's do it together. Don't be a spectator. Don't be a looker. Don't be a watcher. Right. Be in the game. Right. Well, what about a lot of people that may say, you know, a lot of uh, people, whether they're white, black, brown, whatever, color, culture, or creed, a lot of times when it comes to them participating in something that would help the community, yeah. um, because they're not, they, they want to play power broker, because they're not the head of the, the chain, run, you know, they don't want to participate at all, because they have their own organization, they don't want to mix in with this organization, which is crab pot thinking, a crab pot syndrome of thought. Crab pot syndrome, I tell people, don't get confused. Don't outthink yourself. Mm. Don't put yourself in a box. Mm. Don't, don't, you know, tie yourself up. Right. And then you can't move. Right. You know, some things require not a whole lot of intelligence, but just common sense. Common sense. And to me, participating in the census, voting right. is all about common sense. I'm not saying to you, if you participate in the census, all of the ills of the nation are gonna go away. Right. No, I am not saying that. Right. I'm saying that this is a democracy, this is a system, and we have to be in democracy, a participant in the system. And it's the old adage, you know, if you are not at the table, you're on the menu. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And get to the table by any means necessary, right? By any means necessary. Any means necessary. One, one last question, because I know that you're extremely um, busy right now. Um, Black Americans, what, what could we do because we're being affected so much right now with this coronavirus? What can we do to, to kind of stop the spread? Looks like we, uh, we're stuck right here. Hold on a second. All right, looks like I lost him there. Looks like we kind of got stuck here on this, um, on the coronavirus issue. Um, but I will be re, uh, this is a part one. This is a part one that I'm having with uh, Mark Morales, the actual CEO and the, um, you know, he, he, he runs the National Urban League. And, um, we're going to get back to him on the part two of this interview. You guys look out for the census. 
Make sure that you sign that census, make your vote count, let your presence be known, your entire household. This is 360 Wise Live. Peace, joy, and oneness. I am 360 Wise. Thank you.